Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 157 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a fantastic start to your day. Today's podcast topic is a pretty cool one. I know that this topic is one that a lot of us are thinking about, which is how do you make that transition to providing coaching services? And so my guest today is Mary Bicknell. Mary is actually originally trained as a licensed clinical social worker and just through a combination of circumstances and uh, her family decided to move to Portland, Oregon, and she decided that she wanted to start a, a coaching practice mainly to to build a business and a career around her family. And today we're having a conversation about that, some of the lessons that she's learned along the way, how she made that decision when it came to pursuing coaching services, how does she make that transition mentally from ascribing or following a a therapy model to a coaching model? And then we get really deep into pricing because I feel like there's a relationship between you know, pricing and coaching, which is how in the world do you figure out your prices? Is there some sort of like magical table that I haven't found somewhere that uh, I'm supposed to figure out where to price my products and the services that I offer. And just some of the little ideas that, I don't know, it's a little, it's a out of the box way of thinking that for me, as I was actually doing this interview, I just kept thinking, wow, that's a, a different way of thinking about things. And it's a way that's both empowering for the client, but also for us as clinicians and as business owners. Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, This is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just, I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists. And his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told It impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. 
And Dave understands that, and he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, it's absolutely free to download, and it's called The Seven Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. Hey, Mary, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to meet you. Yay. No, I'm, I'm so excited for our conversation. We were talking about this right before, which is, uh, I think for both of us, we're people that once we realize we have a passion for a topic, we get very, even though we're naturally introverted, we both get right. uh, quite extroverted and excited. And I definitely do. So we'll have to keep track on time because I could just talk, talk, talking about our topic today. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited for it because I feel like this making this transition to coaching, I think this is something a lot of clinicians are considering. They're in the process of, especially I, I feel like as this online world really opens up, I think I don't know that I had the foresight in grad school, but I think one of the coolest things about our profession is there's just so many neat things we can do. Amazing opportunities everywhere. Yes, I agree with you. I wanted to just start at the beginning, which is mm -hmm. how did you make that decision to, to pursue coaching in the first place? So it happened, you know, I've, I've had a private practice before years ago, and I moved to Portland, Oregon. I live outside of Portland, Oregon about eight years ago and knew I wanted to start something again. And so I seriously contemplated opening another private practice. But what I realized for me personally, there were so many limitations, managed care, all of these kind of things. And, and just the traditional one hour block of time, I felt like wasn't sufficient for the kind of work I personally like to do with clients. So, but I have to tell you the truth, you know, it was a little challenging. You know, I have all of these degrees and I worked at Hopkins and this and that. And there was a little, to me, a little getting over the stigma of quote, quote, coaches. And so that was a little stumbling block. But once I opened the door and recognized the possibilities, that was a game changer for me. Uh, you said there was like that stigma and it sounds like, and I feel like a lot of folks in our field struggle with this, which is there's like a huge internal stigma, right? Like we yes. fight against ourselves. Yes. Like somehow we're, I don't know if these are even the right words, but like we're betraying our degree or betraying the profession if we go into more of a coaching model. Well, I think it, to me, it's that somewhat, right? There's, you know, when we get our, all of our advanced degrees, there's, I want to say there's some ego attached to that too, right? We work really hard for those things. And sometimes it feels to me, and I've talked to plenty of colleagues in this situation where somebody just like, guess what I did this weekend? I just became a coach. And it's like, wow, you know, I guess, you know, we want to withhold our standard of being able to make sure that when we work with clients in a coaching capacity, we do we have this standard that's kind of built in right to our schooling to what how we've been trained and all of those kind of things and and so it, maybe it does feel like a little bit of betrayal right on multiple levels mm -hmm. no no absolutely and i actually wanted to go a little deeper into that cuz that was my next question what do you think has been some of the most challenging aspects of making this transition from a traditional sort of therapy model mm -hmm. to now more of this coaching model 
One of the biggest things that I have found for myself and for my clients is pricing or marketing ourselves. I think the big aha that we might have uh, that I don't know about you, but I know in graduate school, no one said, okay, Mary, here's how to make money, right? It's like you go quote, find a traditional job or you go open a practice, but oh my goodness, there's so much more behind that. Mm. And so to put yourself out there in a quote, a business hat, right? To put your business hat on when so many of us, you know, want to be therapists and we're leading or in that helping profession, we're leading with our heart, so to speak. And so how to be able to allow yourself, it's really allowing yourself to make money and to be okay with that. And the hard thing is putting a quote of value on your expertise. Cause you know, you get a job and they're like, boom, 50 bucks an hour, or, you know, here you're, you're on a panel and it's like, here's your reimbursement. Or you're working with people who say, you know, do you, I, can I pay you $25 for my copay? And then the coaching industry, there's a switch and you know, of course, there's carte blanche. People are making hundreds of thousands of dollars for one client for a year, depending, of course, on their industry. So to do that transition, ugh, it, that was really, really hard. I have to tell you, that was a big transition. How did you learn to value yourself as it relates to pricing mm-hmm. for your services? That is such a good question. And and yes, yeah, so we could just talk, talk about you know, besides that, I do have a sales background too. So I understand the concept of return on investment. And when I think about return on investment, it's three areas, right? Lifetime return on investment. One is if I'm working with somebody, how can I help them feel better? Just right with their mindset or their emotions or just in general, feel emotionally better. How can I help them save time or make time? Because my brand is all about like, you know, time freedom is a huge thing. And finally, like, how can I help them make money or save money? And so when you start looking at that and you start thinking, where do people, you know, how much money do they want to make? Then it it allows you to do that. But I'll tell you how I started right very at the very beginning. My husband's name is John. And I remember one day saying, oh my gosh, I'm in this coaching business. And one day people are going to pay me $300 an hour because some of these coaches are making a lot of money. And he was like $300 an hour, you know, because that sounds kind of crazy, right? In our field. But what I did is I started out my very first package was five hours, $150 an hour. So that doesn't sound like a lot because there's a lot of therapists that are making $150 an hour. But for me, transitioning into coaching and having my name, quote, on the business, that was a game changer for me. And one of the other things that is beneficial, I find with coaching is the financial transaction, the money transaction is completely different than when we're as therapists or service providers of other industries where we are billing after the fact, you know, in the coaching industry, there's payment up front or there's a retainer up front. And what I have found is that helps a lot of people kind of eliminate that awkward quote selling that awkward you know, get your checkbook out or, you know, you didn't show up for your appointment, so I'm billing you. So there's a lot of benefits, but the bottom line question is, how do you charge? You know, this is one of those internal gut things that you have to start somewhere. And then what I teach my clients is after you've had five clients at that rate, like increase a a little bit, you know, whether you double it or not, but increase it until it it starts feeling like there is a value exchange, right? Mm -hmm. And that's part of it is, you know, a lot of us, we think, you know, I, we're doing all this and these people make these massive changes and wow, it's 25 bucks, you know, copay or whatever. And it just doesn't seem on some kind of intrinsic or internal level that there was a real exchange of energy there. or There was that an equal exchange for the significant transformation that happened. 
like all of it's just very interesting. Like, and I think this is something I've learned also with pricing. And I'm still like, I feel like working through a lot of my own money stories and struggles. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I don't know, like, when you were saying that gut level, you know, that really resonated for me, because that's sort of how I've thought about it. Like, because I never, I think for me, my challenge has always been, I don't want to be priced so high that I'm like unaffordable, uh-huh. right? But I also don't want to be priced so low that I devalue myself and I get exactly. like resentful or whatever. Yes, you know? exactly. And it is challenging because it does have to do also with our self-worth, right? Again, mm-hmm. it's back to that. You have a job and, you know, Joe is going to tell you that this is when you can go to the bathroom and this is how much you make. And, and it is, this is truly one of the biggest challenges that I have found with clients is that worth, but also, so one of the things I love to do is help them really recognize their expertise Mm -hmm. and that it is so needed what they're doing and the way that they say it is so critically important. And the truth is, is that your perfect client is like right now, I always think about this right now, just think someone's waiting for you. Someone's waiting for me to be able to show up for them. Mm -hmm. And that's valuable. And when we undercharge, like you said, yes, resentment can happen or bartering or these kind of things. We can feel resentment. So this is a suggestion that I have for everybody is, you know, if you still feel that pull that you want to work with clients that quote, may not be able to afford your rate, you know, then build that into your program, build that into your practice where you're going to do something pro bono for, you know, a couple hours a week or that you're going to allow yourself to participate in donating your time or so, but have it as a slot, have it as a couple slots, because I know we're all, we all want to just work, work, work and help, help, help. But at the end of the day, I'm also a big believer that we have our businesses to impact, not just the world, but ourselves and our family. Like, I'm a mom. I want to be able to have flexibility and be look like the stay-at-home mom to her. So that's really important. And it's okay to build, a, you know, design your life and build your business around it. I'm giving you permission right now, everybody, just right now. <laughs> no, I think uh, I'm so glad you're saying that because I feel like a big part of this is many of us struggle with giving ourselves permission mm-hmm. to charge our worth, to create the schedule we want, to work with the clients we want, even to like, I was actually talking with this uh, about this with someone recently, which is, it's interesting, you know, whether it's like in the STC community or any of these online communities, it's interesting when uh, the question of like, how many clients do you see in a week gets posted? Mm, right. And then like, it's interesting just to see the responses because on one hand, it seems like there's some like shame around it. Like you need to be seeing X number of clients to be like a legit practitioner or you need to be charging X amount, you know? And I don't know. I think a big part of this is like really just giving ourselves permission to say, this is my life and no one else has the life and unique details of my life, you know? Yes. And of course we compare, right? That's just human nature. And I do, one of the things that I kind of tongue in cheek to lighten it up a little bit, like crazy busy isn't sexy, right? So we do on some level have our worth tied up into like, how many things can I say yes to? And how many, how much, how busy can I be? And this is how much I work when in today's world, 
it's actually shifting a little bit where we're judging people on one level saying, oh my gosh, you know, you're, you're so tired and burnt out and, and how are you then serving people? So like reel it back a little bit, raise your rate a little bit so you're not so exhausted and enjoy what you're doing so that you have that joy that comes back with serving your favorite kind of clients. Mm -hmm. And I know that that was, that was part of the shift for me. You know, I, when I started quote my coaching business, it actually was about relationships because I wanted every woman to feel, here's my tagline, loved, honored, and adored. And what I realized for me is that I was working with them about all kinds of relationships, their business relationships and those kind of things. And so, of course, being financially independent is a huge thing. And, and so it just morphed over really into more business consulting. And so when somebody's looking at maybe adding coaching or doing that transition, what is it that you could talk about all day? What is it that you really love? Because what I have found is a lot of times we're generalists. You know, when I see, when I look at somebody's website and they do everything, you know, I do this and I see this client and, you know, I do this kind of therapy, adult, children, divorce, weight loss, you know, and as opposed to kind of niching down. And I know that also in our industry is kind of um, a challenge. So it's a challenge of niching down, challenge of marketing and challenging of putting a price tag, if you will, on our service. Do you find that? Oh, no, absolutely. I think that's, I mean, I, I think like, over and over when I've had these conversations with clinicians, they talk about the value of niching, right? But I think just seeing conversations and even just my own struggle, if I'm completely honest, is people say niche down, but then there is this part of us that's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, if I niche down, mm -hmm. what if I don't get a client or right. what if, you know, like it's this idea of uh, my eggs in multiple baskets, mm -hmm. right? right? And so... Yeah, no, I think there's just, there is a lot of kind of fear around that. And I feel like, I don't know, the more I, I do this and the more I learn, I, I feel like part of niching is just really, it's less about the niche that we find, but more about the giving ourselves permission to say that we're an expert in working with yes. a certain population or a certain presenting concern. Correct. Definitely so. And it is sometimes hard to say, you know, I'm the expert because, you know, we're not and I guess in this society, we don't champion people who are patting themselves on the back as opposed to allowing people to, you know, be your own, like be your best cheerleader and really become that expert and focus so that when that client comes to you, they really know that you know what you're talking about. And that has a lot of value in and of itself. You know, that I think huge. We want to go to experts. We want mm -hmm. to know that that person has our back. We want to know that they can help move us through whatever it is that their problem is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just shifting a little bit, I wanted to ask you, um, are there any like specific certifications or trainings that you ended up pursuing when you did decide to do coaching? I know there's like a range of them and, mm -hmm. and you alluded to as the beginning, like they vary in terms of length and they so do. There's, so there's different organizations out there, you know, International Coaching Federation, There's and I'm not a, a member of that. I do have a certification, and I realize I don't know that it really means much, right? It's kind of like the same thing when nobody says, where'd you get your master's degree? And so it's, it's one of those things that I think each person has to make a decision about. And also it's like, what are they going to lead with? Are they going to lead with like, I have a ICF certification as opposed to just leading with, I'm an expert leading with how they can help their clients. Mm -hmm. So that to me is a big differentiator. And I guess today's market, like I said, I feel like, you know, this weekend I could go and become some other kind of, you know, certified coach and, 
at the end of the day, I don't know that that personally for me matters. And I know not even one client, like I said, has ever asked, where have you gotten your master's degree or what's your license? Or they've not asked, you know, what's my coaching certification? Yeah, that's interesting. I wanted to circle back to this idea of niching and not at all to put you on the spot or anything. Okay. How did you hone in on the niche that you wanted to work with? So back to starting with women and wanting to support women and wanting to help them recognize the value of who they are. And so, as I said, starting out with relationship, because I'm happily married. I'm one of those people that like still 13 years in, I'm actually like still really into my spouse and it's crushing, you know, and I, I married later in, in my later thirties. And so, you know, it's crushing to see some, you know, women who just, you know, they're in these terrible relationships or whatever. And so all of these, it was professional women and business owners that were attracted to what my marketing. And so that was the key is recognizing what do I really want to do with people and with women specifically. And what I want to do is I want to teach them how to be financially independent, how to really allow themselves to have that big impact on themselves, their own life and the world and really just have as much time off as they want. Cause you know what? Life is short. I, this is really the thing, you know, it's like be bold, go for it. Life is short. Just create what you want and let's try and get out of not just the fear, but it's not even about being fearless. Now it's really about being courageous enough to just say, yes, this is what I want and be really solid about it even though I know it's challenging, right? I know we get bombarded with judgment all the time. So I, I get it. Right. Well, and I think the other piece I, I hear in this is you're not going to likely not going to get it perfectly mm. the first time, right? Exactly. Oh my God. Issues. I mean, even for me, like just private practice wise, I initially, I was like, oh, I'll work with entrepreneurs. Right. But then mm -hmm. I was like, but what is it specifically with entrepreneurs that I want to work mm -hmm. with, right? And then even as I feel like as I've grown as a person and I've, you know, I sort of taken this weird, like almost leadership role within STC, right? So yeah. I was like, I like this aspect of leadership development. And what does that look like, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's what I think holds a lot of clinicians back when they come or when they think about niching is that they feel like they have to get it perfect the first time. Okay, let me tell you. You know, it is practice, right? It is practice figuring out, okay, this is who I think I want to work with. Well, great. Go work with a couple of those people and see what stands out about working with them. And then, you know, take that little piece of information and let it grow a little bit because I mean, oh my gosh. And this goes back to even like building your website and creating a big launch or whatever. It's like, oh, you know, don't spend five grand on a website right away because you're just going to, you know, you might end up changing things. But it's about allowing yourself to practice a little bit. And what I realized, you know, why I switched to, to business consulting and coaching wasn't just that I want women to make money. It was also because, oh my gosh, I didn't, I couldn't all day long hear complaints about, you know, bad relationships. So for me, I realized like, oh, as much as I want to help them, that's not something personally that I can just jump out of bed every morning to do. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I say to, to clients when they're looking at niching down is, you know, if you had a hundred people lined up at your door and whether it's your virtual door, your zoom, or whether it's your literal door, your office, and you had a hundred of them lined up, like, who is that? Who could you just literally get out of bed and, and be just thrilled that they're going to be standing there and not like, Oh gosh, I have 10 of these and three of these. Like, who is it? Because when we think about refining our ideal client or niching down or owning our expertise, the fear is that we're not going to have enough 
enough of those people to, quote, make a living. And I remind people, I try and remove some of the emotion around this, right, and get into logic when we look at numbers and say, how much money do you really want to, you know, how much does your perfect life cost, so to speak? You want to have this house, you want to have this house, you want to take this vacation, Hawaii, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, okay, so let's just for round numbers sake, say it's $200,000. Okay, well, let's break that down further. If it's $200,000, how many clients does that look like? Well, if you saw one-on-one clients or what if you ran a group or what if you leveraged, you know, a digital product, there's so many opportunities to have multiple revenue streams, but oftentimes in our profession, in the service-based or helper profession, we just think of one model, one business model. I'm going to see clients one-on-one. And let me tell you, the world is so different. You have so many opportunities now. I mean, I feel like, again, that could be a whole other topic, but I think nearly all of us, we're, I know for me, even growing up, even before grad school, we're all taught this idea that uh, the only way to generate income is by trading time right. to create that income. Mm-hmm. And what's just really interesting, I alluded to this actually in a couple of episodes before, but I've always been really into personal finance and I've been reading a lot of like books on sort of what do like wealthy individuals do? You know, what's their mindset? How do they mm-hmm. handle? Because it's not that they're working like 70, 80 hours a right. week right. to generate like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Correct. It's just that they've now figured out sort of alternative revenue streams where they're not spending all of their time trading time to create income. Exactly. And it is a big shift. And one of the books that I always suggest is Think and Grow Rich, if you haven't read that. I mean, that, that, uh, yes. I mean, it's like the go-to, right, for entrepreneurs. And there is that mindset shift and money shift. And we equate that money mindset with worth mindset, right? Mm -hmm. And our value. And that shift is really good. And another book that I like is Secrets of Six-Figure Women by Barbara Staney. Mm -hmm. And it's just a compilation of women sharing like their big ahas, you know, because I love that. We all love, you know, how did she figure that out? And what was she thinking? And we start recognizing like, oh my gosh, we're all normal. We're actually all having these same thoughts. It's like, ooh, what am I going to charge? Or, ooh, you know, our worth. It gives us freedom to open that conversation about it. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Mary, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but you know when, I know that a lot of clinicians, they want to do therapy services, but then they also want to go into coaching or consulting. From what I've understood is like, just from like a legal perspective, it's smarter to create two different businesses. So one for the therapy side, one for the consulting slash coaching side, just avoid conflict. Um, What have you heard and what have you learned? I know several people that really just have both things on their website Mm -hmm. and they're very distinctly different on their website. I think what it has more to do with is clarity of messaging. So if you're providing therapy for, let's just for, you know, if you're providing therapy for women who are depressed, who have some depression going on because you're coaching about women going through divorce, you know, there needs to be a a definite separation there as far as how you're communicating that. And I think this goes back to the skill of understanding how to quote sell. And I know no one wants to talk about selling, right? Is when you're listening to that conversation about what kind of service that you could provide, you know, that's your moment to recognize how skilled are you to determine, is this uh, someone who's going to need mental health treatment or assistance, or is this a coaching client Hmm. and the differentiator? So to the point about two separate entities, I think that's, there's no hard and fast rule, even though I've listened to different attorneys and, you know, as long as your contracts are fine, I know my contract very clearly says this is not mental health, but 
course, I'm doing coaching and consulting. And I think each industry, you know, even though I don't practice as a clinical social worker anymore, I mean, each industry does have some regulations. So I don't have a hard and fast answer for that. I think it's still so open. To be honest, the coaching industry in general, there's still some latitude there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like just based on what you're saying, probably it's smart to be conservative, but it's also smart to look at whatever our individual licenses are and figure out if there's any sort of nuanced things that we need to do. Right. And, you know, I know sometimes it's hard for people to even consider, you know, making a full switch and transitioning completely to coaching and giving up their license or giving up being a therapist or whatever, you know, practitioner that they are labeled, if you will. And because we work hard for that. But one of the things that I have found is, although I don't practice psychotherapy anymore, the very fact that you know, I still maintain my license or I still, you know, um, have been a therapist. That is a differentiator in this field. And we should not undervalue that or minimize that, is that this is actually a lighthouse for you that will attract clients to you because they understand the level of expertise that you can bring to the table, as opposed to someone who just this weekend is going to become a life coach and now tell you really how to have a better divorce. Mm. No, absolutely. As we wrap up, I wanted to ask you a final question. Just sort of, if you could think if what this would be, the top three tips that you would give to someone who is listening and wants to make that transition to coaching. The top three tips are get clear on what you claim as your expertise so that it is easier for you to compile a package and price it and I'm going to use the word sell it, right? That's one tip. The other tip too is recognize that there's multiple marketing that you can do for if you're worried about narrowing down to a niche. So it's not having multiple people that you serve. It's actually learning different ways to market to that ideal client. That's a game changer. And finally, recognize that there's truly simplicity in business and that when you put your business hat on and you are the leader within your business, that doesn't mean that you're still not helping people. It actually means that you're going to help them on a better you know, a higher level, and it's going to make a bigger impact also on your personal life. So it's okay for you to put that business hat on, and that's critical for simplicity because you don't have to be overworked. You don't have to be burnt out. You don't have to be stressed. There are easier ways, I promise. I'm so glad you said that. Mary, I'm, I'm grateful for you. I think it's so neat to see someone in our field making this transition to coaching. It's, it's neat to see where can, uh, where can we learn more about you and the awesome work that you're doing in the world. Mm. Well, pop over to my website, marybicknell.com, and I have some resources for you that can just help you figure out, like, even how to, quote, close a deal, right? How to have a smooth selling conversation without feeling smarmy or pushy or just different marketing avenues that you may not have even thought about. Because I know I didn't think about these until I've been doing this now for years. So great resources there. Yeah, no, awesome. Um, We'll definitely include that in the show notes, which you guys can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 157. Um, Mary, thank you again for doing this. Melvin, this has been so great. We could talk all day. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Yeah, no, we could totally talk all day. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mary and I hope that it's given you some good food for thought, especially if you are considering adding coaching services to your professional repertoire. I don't know why I said that, but I just wanted to say repertoire. (laughs) You know, 
I actually wanted to mention a couple of different things that I was thinking about from the conversation. One is I actually wanted to give you guys another book recommendation. So I haven't quite had the chance to dive into this book yet, but it was recommended to me by multiple colleagues, which is the book is uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get a Kindle or a paperback version, at least at this point where I'm recording this, but it's called Becoming a Life Coach, a Complete Workbook for Therapists. And it's by David Skibbins. And uh, so that might be one to check out, especially uh, as you sort of navigate and, and figure out sort of the nuances of all of this. And then the other thing is there are definitely a lot of coaching services and coaching certifications. The ICF was the one that Mary mentioned. That's a very common one, International Coaching Federation. So and their website has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to services and their programs and all of those different things. Mary mentioned a number of resources, and you can find them again on the show notes page at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 157. I think my biggest takeaway from today's podcast session, and I feel like this is just something I'm learning generally in life, is that our careers become a lot more fruitful and they become a lot more meaningful when we give ourselves permission to create a career that works for our lifestyle instead of feeling like we need to create it in order to appease someone or to gain the approval of someone or anything like that. You can find, again, uh, more information about Mary and some of the awesome stuff she's doing in the world at Mary Bicknell, and that's B-I-C-K-N-E-L-L dot com. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and an investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great rest of your day, and I'm so grateful for you. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.